Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Saints Happy Hour needs your support so we can keep giving you the Saints coverage you love. Become a patron to help us keep giving you the best daily Saints podcast on earth. Supporting Saints Happy Hour gives you the best Saints podcast every day without any stupid ads or promos like this one. And patrons also get access to our private Discord channel where you can talk Saints 24-7, early access to podcast episodes, our world-famous booze bundle with four amazing swag items. So do it. Go to SaintsHappyHour.com and sign up today. That's SaintsHappyHour.com. Hey, Ralph. Ralphie. Andrew and Dave. All right, I got a little intel. Your Saints Happy Hour podcast? Yeah, yeah. It's a joke, all right? And I'll tell you why. You, Ralph, you mispronounce everything, okay? I listen, I go, what the? Does he not know the English language? All right, Ralph. Try to get an English class in there every now and then, okay, pal? Andrew! Think you're smart, huh? Think you're smart? You're in big trouble, pal. You piece of shit like you for breakfast. And then, of course, there's Dave. Dave, a little obnoxious. Got a little bit of chip on your shoulder, huh? You gotta get, cut people down all the time. Is that what you gotta do? But uh, know that life is good. Appreciate it. Do what you do. Keep on keeping on. Shoot out. <laughs> all right, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. This episode is gonna be amazing because he's one of our favorites. We haven't had him on a, on in a while. Uh, He's chummy chummy with Andrew. He's friends with me on Twitter, but him and Andrew are best buds. Uh, that would be Raymond Parch the third. Raymond, thanks for joining us as always. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff tonight, but uh, are you, how are you, you been? not even going to mention what radio station he works? You for do that. You do that because I'll just I'll just mess it up. You do. He's going to like bypass the fact that he's like this heavy hitter in Louisiana. And you do it because I'll butcher it. Raymond, should you maybe do it? Should you introduce yourself? Because that's basically what Ralph has has left you to do. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I'm Raymond Parts III, host of RP3 and Company. Hello, everyone. On 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Ooh, that did sound a lot better. He did. (laughs) You've had practice with that. I listen. Yes, to I've, I've had the three years of practice. Yes. <laughs> no, but Raymond, here's the thing: a little behind the scenes thing. Uh, Andrew got on me because uh, there's. I I guess I'll mention his name, Jameis One of One. I fight with them on the Saints Happy Hour account, and he gets under my skin sometimes. And when he got under my skin last week, I threw our award in his face. That we, I'm like. Call me a goober. I've won a Louisiana podcast of the year. Don't be yelling at name calling me. And Andrew got on me. He said we shouldn't do that because it makes us seem pompous and arrogant and it's not our brand. And you shouldn't let you shouldn't let people get under your skin on Twitter. And Andrew is a hundred percent correct. As an adult, as a functioning human, I know Andrew is correct. 
but there's a little bit of me that's like, I have this award. I cuddle with it at night. I sleep with it. I talk to it. And if I can't use it to throw in people's faces when they insult me, then what good is it having? But brother, I, I look, I get, I get where you're coming from. Trust me on this. I've been in media for 20 plus years. I've been called everything in the book and, and more. I've been called, you know, uh, the antichrist one at one time or two. So I, I get it. Okay. I understand where you're coming from, but here's the thing, bud. you're the award winner now. Okay. Right. You're the award winner. It. He's not. Okay. Why are you going to stoop to that level? And trust me, I do a radio show every day. We get told that we're stupid and idiots and we don't have any idea that we're talking about. I can't tell you how many times when I sat there and told people that the Bo Pelini hire was a huge mistake for the LSU football program. Oh my I God. got told that I was an idiot. Uh, well, uh, you know, well, I just, I, I didn't gloat afterwards. I just said, oh, well, look how things turned out. Yeah, so, it, so, you know, there's a certain way of doing it, but you can't stoop to their level. That look, was man, such, the a, bad, that was such a bad idea. I, 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 and I love the Ed Ogeron hire, and I was 100% behind him. I was pumped when they hired him, and the national championship justified. I still do the Ed Ogeron experience again 100 times out of 100. But when he hired Bo Pelini, I was like, oh, no. This is going to end in the ditch. Well, the classic case, the classic case, I agree with you. I wrote I wrote a column years ago that when people were freaking out about the Troy loss and the Mississippi State loss that year, uh, early in his tenure, I was like, guys, you got to give him patience. You know, Les Miles, three years, won a national title. Nick Saban needed three years, lost to UAB yeah. early in his career at, at LSU. So give him time. He was the right guy at the right time for LSU. The problem was – he got to the mountaintop, and he enjoyed being on the mountaintop. He, 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 nobody loved it more than him, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, 22-year-old beach bunnies and, you know, all the, all the energy drinks you can have um, and being ruled, you know, treated like your royalty in the state of Louisiana. Well, then he forgot to recruit and develop and hire competent coaches. So, you know, the old Ole Miss Edwards run, it was, it, was, it was like he was in rehab. He was going through the process, and he was doing so well. And he had, you know, he he fixed himself and he got his life back on track. And, you know, he's going to make something of himself. And then he got to that, he got that chip, he got to that milestone. And, and, and then it was, he fell off the wagon and he became <laughs> old Miss or Ed Orgeron again. That's the best way for me to describe it. Well, Raymond, uh, yeah, let's get back to the award for a second. And in, in fact, I just want to talk about that for the next, I don't know, several weeks. Uh, but um, yeah, no, uh, so the judges picked us to win. Correct. Uh, you're a big supporter of the show. And so yep. I can't help but think you gave them something. And I just want to ask you, is it legal for me to give that to someone else to use it for similar purposes? <laughs> no, no. What, what, what? The advice I gave, if we go back a year, right? Because yeah. obviously you guys have been entering in the Louisiana Sports Writers Contest. Wow. Uh, for the radio and broadcast, the radio, TV broadcasting and podcast portion of the contest. And I love y'all's show and I love y'all's podcast. And last year, it, you know, we, I, I farmed this out. It's blind judging. So they have no idea who you are. Okay. There's no description. So they just get the audio file and they just play it. Right. So it's however you guys put it together. And and we use judges from all across the country, California, Colorado, Ohio, uh, upstate New York. You know, we try to use them from all across uh, the country. That way, no one has any type of connections to the state of Louisiana. We're not allowed to use anyone who lives in Louisiana 
And we preferably try to not to use anybody that's even from a neighboring state, just because of how really small the circle is for sports media in, in, the, in the industry altogether. So one of the things that came back, you know, the judges, we asked for them to leave comments. And they did comments on all the entries last year. And I shared those with you guys. And the big thing that you guys did last year was, which I thought, and I told you, I thought it was a misstep. You, you featured two big time guests and they were great guests and they were great interviews. But the judges last year were like, these are great interviews. Great. But this entry feels more about the people that they're being interviewed instead of the actual podcast. You guys flipped it, made it just about you guys and what you guys do and how much fun you guys have on the Saints Happy Hour podcast. And sure enough, boom, first place award. The only, th- only thing that made me feel a, a tinge of, I don't know, if, I don't know if, if bad, bad isn't the wrong word because we won, but like Thomas picked. Kevin at one of his low moments when we did the Kevin love update and it made for really compelling and funny podcasting, but poor Kevin had his heart shattered in a million pieces and (laughs) it helped us win the award. So I felt like guilty for like 20 seconds, but I was like, we, something you got to do what you got to do to win. Right, Andrew? I think Kevin would make that sacrifice yeah. if he knew going in. That's what it was going to take. <laughs> well, it, it makes it real. Yeah, you have to sacrifice. Look, man, your feelings. Yeah, you're going to be emotionally cru- uh, you're crushed, and you may develop some sort of pill addiction because of it. But look, we're going <laughs> to still win the award. That's all that That's right. matters. You have to make sacrifices here. Not everyone's going to get off the beach. So, you know, that's just how it works. But no, for you guys, <laughs> it is it is really competitive. Beach. And that's the other thing. Uh, you know, uh, Ross Jackson from the Locked on Saints podcast. Yes. He finished his runner-up in this in this in the podcast category. Andrew's uh, cousin. He he calls him his cousin. I'm not really for sure yeah. if Matt is actually your cousin. We, or we not. are blood related. Yes. Okay. Okay. So it's just not one of those things where oh, it's my cousin. That's really you know your neighbor from it's third grade. Yes, that's correct. Okay. We are actually blood related. Yes. So yeah. look, heavy hitters, right? Uh, heavy hitters that's in right. that category. And you guys, you know, you guys wrote, and you guys deserve it. You guys deserve well, to, to do I, it. You put in the work, man. I think, and and this this is my theory, not to get too, like, inside baseball, because I know people want to hear about the Saints and different things, but I, I really believe, and I say this as a person that worked at WWL, Raymond. I really believe, because WWL, they still kill it in the ratings in New Orleans, There's but they've been, like, behind on the technology thing. Like, they don't have their podcasting set up in a way like everybody else does. And I think it's kind of like open the door for all of us, you and me and Ross Jackson. And, and like it gives us it gives us an opportunity to get an audience where like if WWL, if they had it, their stuff together, I don't think I think for us personally, my, our podcast wouldn't be nearly as successful. But I think because WWL, the behemoth and the flagship of the Saints, that they're kind of like behind the eight ball or whatever you want to say in technology. Like it gives all of us an opportunity to grow, which is amazing. Well, the other part of that is someone as speaking from someone who came from the newspaper business. Newspapers did a very poor job of embracing technology, embracing their websites. Right. And it cost them. 
And because of not having, you know, not being able to look into the future, not being able to say, hey, times are changing. The way people are digesting yeah. knowledge, digesting news is changing rapidly. And they tried to catch up and they couldn't. And the newspaper business has suffered because of it. Now, that's also that paved the way for strictly websites. You know, it used to be SEC country that no yeah. longer exists. But the athletic is a perfect example of that kind of thing of great journalism being promoted just on a website and not in the traditional manner of doing things. And podcast is the same thing with broadcasting. You, have, you know, it, it's, it's adapting. OK, how are people getting it? Well, now people are spending their downtime with their earbuds on their phone listening to podcasts. They can do that on the train. They can do that on the way to work. They can do that during their lunch break. That's you. You have to kind of be able. We have to figure out how can we get our message. How can we get what we do out to the people? You can't have the mentality of "Well, let the people come to you." That's not how it works. You know, I want to know this. It's, it's yeah. not how it works anymore. The way we people get their media now is completely different than it was twenty years ago, and it's completely different than it was even ten years ago. And you have to be able to adjust on the fly and do that. And you're right. Look, WWL is a giant. It, it, it is an absolute giant. And it, it casts a very long shadow over the, state, uh, over the state, specifically with Saints coverage. That said, you guys, there was an opportunity there. And you guys seized it and took advantage of it. And it's just grown and grown and grown. And the key for you guys, and, and not to keep blowing smoke, but... You guys are real to yourself. I, I, I've said this before. You can always tell when someone's not authentic, right? If they're trying too hard to take a point of view, if they're trying too hard to follow the first take uh, fabrication of arguments where they're like, oh, I'm going to pretend to be against this and you're going to pretend to be for it or whatever it might be. Yeah, Andrew, if, what, do you, what, do you, what do you always say about – you have a great slogan – it's something about a boat or a tide, like however the Saints do. Like a that's rising where... tide raises all ships. Yeah, well, you just say like you said it. We go where the Saints take us. Like if the Saints went in fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen when their defense was atrocious, we were ripping on them, and we kind of loathed them at points. And when they started winning, we change our tune. Like we don't stay committed. But one funny story I'll I'll tell you, and then we'll get on the Saints. Raymond is when I worked at the Orange County Register in 2005, I got hired to be their high school sports editor. And two weeks into my job, they had a giant presentation with the entire news force. And my boss brought the classifieds in for his section of the uh, presentation, and he threw it in a garbage can squirted lighter fluid on it and lit it on fire and told everybody our classified ads are down 15% in four years. They're going to be down to zero. We need to figure out how to replace that. And if we don't, we're going to die. People looked at him like he had two heads and I looked at him. I was like, I think you might, you're, you might be a crazy person, but you know what, Raymond? Like, the classified who goes to the classified as for anything right so like it just it's it's it, it when you told me about everything you mentioned everything changing it just it, it reminded me of that but i remember his then catching fire fire and people thinking the uh the fire alarm was going to go off and the sprinklers were going to get set off but yeah look and look you, what you got to think at that time a lot of folks have been in the business 20 30 years so you're trying to tell them that you want them to think about doing something differently than they've done their entire adult lives 
and people just couldn't adjust to it. Ralph, I mean, that's what it boiled down to. People, people didn't know how to, right? They were still, they mm-hmm. developed habits for three decades. They, they didn't know how to adjust. And, and for a lot of people, look, I still do newspaper work to this day. Okay, I still do freelance work from here, here yeah. and there. But the business itself has changed. You know, if you take away the advocate, if you will, you know, most of the newspapers in our state or most of the newspapers in this country are dependent on, wait for it, freelancers. Those are not people that work in the office. These are people that work remotely and can go places and can you you can work. You, you can cover the New Orleans Saints and work and live in Tennessee yeah. these days. That's just how it is. It's the just top, completely changed. There's a there's a paper in Florida that is just f- made for retirees. I forget the name of it, but it's a retirement community in Florida. There's like 150,000 people for people that are over 55. It is now a top 10 paper in America for daily for daily circulation because that's how where newspapers are because people that are 55 and older they're like I ain't getting on the internet. I'm buying the paper. Um, <laughs> Raymond, uh, how, how like how much do you feel like do you feel like it's stabilized a little bit in the sense that look, fifteen years ago or ten years ago when when Twitter exploded and all of a sudden I feel like Twitter really changed the game because instead of hey, wait for the newspaper or even just like watch on your TV for Sports Center to come on and, and give you, you know, the latest highlights or the latest news. And sometimes you would get it in real time, but in tweets, you're able to not only absorb the news in real time you're able to curate it very specifically to the things you care about and i i feel like that was a huge paradigm shift where like you had to stay up with the times and i'm sure at at that stage ray you were feeling that pressure of like i've got to get a twitter account i've got to figure out how to use this i've got to figure out like where the trends are going and but do you feel like since then it's stabilized a little bit where like you've been able to kind of settle into that and, and, and not feel like things are constantly continuing to evolve. Yeah. It's, it's slowed down some, I mean, I got in the business, let's see, uh, well, uh, July of 2000 is when I was first hired in my first newspaper job and things evolved and caught us off guard and adjusting to, to doing things. But I just give you certain examples. You just have to adjust. So before where, I don't know. You could wait. You know, newspaper people are like, well, we're going to wait and no one's going to read our stuff until the next day. And newspapers wouldn't post their game stories for sporting events until the next day. Well, that doesn't do you any good. It just doesn't because the people that are going to read it in the newspaper are going to read it in the newspaper. The people that are going to read it online are going to read it online. They don't cross over. So we had to, you know, you had to teach yourself that. Yeah, I had to, to get a Twitter account. But things have also stabilized so much where, you know, I, I've, I had this discussion the other day with someone when we had our Louisiana sports writers business meeting. I'm, I'm the president, so we have to conduct our uh, business meeting. And I was having a conversation with another journalist from the state. And I said, you know, Twitter's really become for sports. I mean, it, it, if you think about it, of all the social media platforms, Facebook is for our parents or our grandparents. Instagram <laughs> is for wannabe models. And, you know, TikTok, I, I still don't quite know what TikTok is. But, you know, I'm, I'm also 43, so I'm, I don't think I'm supposed to know. But Twitter has become really, let's be honest, for sports. It's where all the sports news gets broken. That's where Woj that's right. drops his Woj, Woj bomb. bombs. Today. Right. That, today is like a holiday is. for Twitter. It's like what, if, if you if you had a Twitter calendar, right, you would have the start of NFL free agency, 
the start of NBA free agency, the start of NFL exactly. football. Like this today is a major day, and like this morning, the Kevin Durant news drops, and 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 it doesn't drop in your newspaper tomorrow morning. Nope. Like it's 1994. So, it it just boom, it's on Twitter. And you have to figure out like breaking news is lends itself so much to social media, mm-hmm. so you can break stuff in game stories. The newspaper or magazines or even like places like the Athletic, they take more of a featurey approach, right? When you read an Athletic mm-hmm. game story, it's featurey because they're allowed to do so because they know the the basic bare bones of play by play inside your story is not what people are subscribing to the athletic for. They're subscribing for thought-provoking columns and moving in-depth, long-form features. That's where they go for that. Yeah. So it's it's stabilized, back to Andrew's point, is things have kind of solidified where people know where they're getting their information from, right? And all of us, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, newspaper people were newspaper people, radio people, radio people, and TV people were TV people, and they didn't cross-pollinate. Now we all do the same thing. When I go to a game, I'll go to an LSU game. I'll go to the, the game against Florida State in the Superdome uh, to open up the season in the fall. I will be there. I will write a game story with no quotes, just simple play-by-play, straightforward, and with some notes about some things. That will be posted within three minutes of the game ending. I will have it ready to go. It will post. We will send it out on social media. I will go to the press conference. We'll get the audio. And then I'll do a stand-up one-and-a-half-minute to two-minute video recap for all of our social media platforms, and then I'll do a follow-up the next day or possibly that weekend a feature that I got from asking questions in the press conference. Mm-hmm. You have to change, right? So that's radio, you know, social media, t- a television component because it's a video, and then still long-form stuff. So all of us now are all multimedia journalists, and that's what – and the, the people that adjusted to that – are thriving the ones that didn't they're still struggling yeah i mean we 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 do it and i write my wwl comment and we we do this podcast like we don't we recap the game in a sense but like we just assume if you've listened to this podcast and you're listening to it on our game recap mini podcast for patrons or the big like we as you watch the game like and and sports didn't used to be that way but I, I do want to say, you know, as we talk about the changes in media, the Saints are having a giant upheaval this year, Raymond. And, and you know, I like to talk about the stories for the season. And I'm just interested in what's something that you're watching that's not sort of – we'll get to Jameis and we'll get to the main storylines. But, like, what's something that you're watching this year – with all the changes, with everything that's going to be new, that you're really interested in, that isn't like a main story necessarily, that you're like, I'm paying attention to this because it's going to be different without Sean Payton and, and that sort of thing. What's a storyline that you're kind of focused in on, either for camp or for the season? The big one is, what is the mentality? What's going to be the personality of this team? I think I know the answer. I think you're going to see Demario Davis, Cam Jordan, Tyron Matthew take over this team. And offensive players, not that they won't matter, this is going to be a defensive team because Dennis Allen is the coach. And you saw that with the draft. Yes, I know they went up and got Chris Olave, and then they got the big road grader, the big hoss from northern Iowa in the first round. When they picked the kid out of Tennessee, someone was like, oh, my God, I can't believe they picked him. That's a waste of a pick. I says, no, it's not. I says, that's a Sean Payton pick 
that he used to do with offensive players. It's just now defense because Dennis Allen's the coach. Because he saw that's a toy. That's a guy that's a I can do multiple things with. That's my new, brand new toy that I get to play with and take out of the box. And that kid from Tennessee, I'm telling you, that kid from Tennessee, if he's healthy, you're going to see him make a ton of plays. He's going to get a ton of playing time, just not on special teams. I he this is that was that well that was the pick that I said oh that's Dennis Allen's team like th- that's what I said that's Dennis Allen's team because it wasn't an offensive player it was someone that he could play with and move around because he likes having the diversity mm-hmm. and the versatility on the back end the secondary is fascinating to me you know you got a slew of guys is there going to be enough playing time for all that but modern NFL is evolving so quickly that you have to have six, seven, eight defensive backs that can play. Like, like the days of burying guys on the depth chart that can't play, and they, they'll just be the, your your fourth or fifth cornerback and just you know work. foot on a special. That doesn't work anymore. They're you all can't play, play that way. Yeah, no, only two teams play. played more five defensive backs than the Saints. Five defensive backs is kind of like the Saints' base defense. Not Correct. to be, they, not that they, we want to be right. getting the tape right, right. now, they, but I mean that's just a fact. No, that's just a fact. So. I, I, I want to see the the identity of this team. And, you know, that's that's the one thing. I feel like it's going to be a defensive-minded team. I feel like this is a team that is going to have its offense be able to score 17 points, and they're going to win 12 games. And people say I'm crazy. People, I know the, the, the Vegas books guys say there's no way. And the national pundits say that the Saints are going to be awful because they don't believe in Jameis. This is a team, I need to remind everyone, this is a team that trotted out Trevor Simeon throwing passes or attempting to throw passes to Kevin White. That's right. Okay? And this team still nearly made the playoffs, uh, guys. You, you, you had to go there, huh? I believe – Raymond, I've said it all year. I believe the Saints played three games in 2021 that were basically forfeits. Carolina, yes. Miami, and Buffalo were basically they had no business playing the Carolina game because the NFL wasn't the NFL should have let them play that game. So you that's know, one, and that you're right. That, right, that's a forfeit. And it was basically you, you three had, forfeits. Miami so they were they, they were worse. basically nine and six with or, or or nine and five with three forfeits and four quarterbacks that that took snaps. They they were forced to play in book. Okay, Ian <laughs> book. And I know I'm like, really Ian book. The way no he Michael says Thomas. that is such disgust. He no, does. Look, look, I went to the senior ball. I saw the guy practice. I saw the guy play. And when they drafted him, I was like, oh, come on, Sean, stop. Yeah, he reminds you of how you were at Eastern Illinois. That does not mean he's going to be able to play in the end. Mm. But I, I digress. You don't want to get off, off topic. But they played four different quarterbacks, did not have Michael Thomas, right? And they had to deal with COVID issues multiple times throughout the season. And they still nearly made the playoffs. This is a team the closer we get to the season, and I'm not a Saints fan, the closer we get to the season, the more I feel like this team's going to win the division. I just, I, I feel that way. I, I don't, I don't like what I'm seeing out of Tampa. I don't think they made moves that I, I, I went, mm. like they, they didn't surprise me with anything. There's also a coaching change there. That's going to play a role down there in Tampa. But look, the Saints have a huge chip on their shoulder. They didn't make the playoffs last year. Who gets themselves more motivated than Demario Davis and Cam Jordan? And you're going to add the Honey Badger to this mix? Like, like you're adding Tyron Matthew to this mix. You're adding another dog. They, they got a bunch of dogs, junkyard dogs on this team. They got that and dog in them. I'm telling you, 
I'm telling you, they are going to be really good if, and the big if is, it's not Jameis. Everyone wants to focus on the quarterback. I get it. I understand. You know, they focus on Taysom Hill, and he, you know, he had no business being a starting quarterback. Great athlete, great player, great teammate, but he's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. It's not Jameis. But what's it's, what? What's your expectation? What's your expectation of Jameis? I love to talk to people about this because I yell. I talk about it on Twitter all the time. I, what's your expectation of Jameis? I feel like there's 30 percent of Saints fans that think he's going to be the top five, and I'm like, he's not. He's going to be no, a no, roller coaster. No, and it's cool. It'll if be you, fine. The Saints roster's loaded, but it's going to be it's going to be bumpy, but fun. Say. 3,800 to 4,000 yards, 35 touchdowns, 15, 16 picks. Oh, wow. And wow, so that's you're, a you're lot of that, So you're taught – wait, wait, you, you think that's too high or you think that's what he's going to do? I think I, th- I think that's probably what the ceiling is. I I, I really do. Because so if he, if he does that, I mean, that that's the best quarterbacking season in Saints history by a guy not named Drew Brees. You have Pete Carmichael there. And you're going to have Michael Thomas, and you're going to have Chris Olave, and you're going to have Jarvis. I catch anything thrown within a 10 yard yeah. radius of me, Landry. And now you're going to have Callaway and DeAndre Harris slash Hardy, and poor, poor Traquan Smith, who keeps getting signed because he can block, not because he can catch. And you're going to have those guys be four, five, and six. You're going to have Troutman and Taysom Hill at tight end. You're going to have Kamara and the kid from Baylor. Watch out. I'm telling you, you don't give a kid like that a quarter of a million dollar guaranteed contract if you don't think he can be a stud. They are going to be just fine. Jameis is going to turn over the ball. It's what he does. It's in his DNA. Okay, Dante Culpepper used to turn over the ball all the time too. Okay, it just it, some guys just do that. Do I think the LASIK surgery took – do I think he started making improvements last year before he got injured? Yes. But he's never been able to play with Michael Thomas. Right? That's never happened. They've never played together. So what's going to happen with that? What's going to happen with Landry? Like For me, Jameis is not the thing that's going to hold the Saints back. The thing that could possibly hold the Saints back is whether or not Goodell gets becomes the criminal commissioner, as one of my <laughs> guys that works at the station calls him, and decides to punish Alvin Kamara before a judgment is actually put down uh, through his hearing yeah. there in Vegas for the Pro Bowl of, uh, incident, where he decided to go punch somebody like he, that guy was Debo from Friday and figure out what to do with that. Okay. That's a key, but the offensive line that has to be fixed uh, of all the things last year that stood out to me was you saw the fact that the team didn't have the amount of depth it needed across the offensive line. If they would have had better depth, they would have won maybe one of those other games and got into the yeah. playoffs. And I know Armstead's gone and that's a big loss. I think Hurst can manage the fort while they develop the Rook. Ramchick's back. Okay, McCoy is good. Not great, but good. You don't need your center to be great. He can be good. They've won with Jeff Fain before, for crying out loud. So the big key is, can the new man in charge, Doug Marone, can he fix Cesar Ruiz at right guard? And can he fix the guy that I lovingly call pond water, Andres Pete? Because the cat can run block, but he can't pass block to save his life. So can Doug Marone fix those guys and develop, you know, for, uh, uh, Brock and some of those other guys, the kid from Kentucky that they like so much that played last year as a rookie? Can they fix the offensive line? If they can fix the offensive line, they can win 12, 13 games. 
Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I mean, you can go a long way with uh, a, a healthy and performing offensive line. Ray, Raymond, when the Saints looked at getting Deshaun Watson this offseason and, and obviously failed, thank God. I feel like there was a, a divide in the fan base. Like, but let's put aside the off the field stuff because I mean, I think most people feel similarly. And even the ones that were like, okay, I think we're getting Deshaun, I guess we're doing this. And we're like reluctantly getting behind it. And then almost a little excited, right? Because you get, maybe get an elite quarterback, but they they were quick to change their minds once it didn't work out. And I think now, pretty much universally, all Saints fans are like, "Thank goodness we dodged that bullet." But taking the off the field stuff aside for a moment, I'm curious where you land on this because honestly, from one day to the next, I don't know that I've decided for myself. Are you better off philosophically? Having a quarterback like Jameis, a, a middle-of-the-road guy, but with potential and maybe some upside, but like low contract, and instead you pour your assets into everything around him. Better receivers, better defense, good kicking game, and you have a solid foundation for him to work with. Are you better off there? Or, or let's just say there's a world where Watson gets off scot-free He's a model citizen for the rest of his football career, but you've given up three first round picks. You've given up two second round picks. And by the way, your cap's so blown up. You can't really spend a bunch of money on free agents. So you can't really build around him. So, and honestly, like, I feel like there was a huge divide amongst the fan base. You had one side there of was. Like, get, get there the was. elite quarterback at all costs. I don't care what it, I don't care what it takes. Get the elite quarterback. He will carry us. And then, you know, there's the other school of thought of, no, let's have a more sound team. Which one do you think, just pure roster building, which one makes the team better off? Oh, the Jameis route. And it's not because of Jameis. It's because it's exactly what you said. If they would have got Deshaun, you don't get Tyron Matthew. You don't get Marcus May. You don't get Jarvis Landry. You don't get those guys. You, 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 you don't. Now, Mickey is a wizard. We've talked about it a lot on the show, right? That he's Neo in the Matrix when it comes to figuring out, when it comes to figuring out salary cap and how to get under the cap and how to, you know, he, he's the master when it comes to taking the base salary and turning it into a signing bonus. And that's how he, get, he gets around, around it, right? So that's part of it. For, for me, I'm always one to look at how can I build, make my roster the best it is. If you put all your eggs in a basket, take away all the off-the-field stuff. And you're right. Look, some fans had convinced themselves that they could do it, that they were okay with it, even though they felt dirty about doing it. Because they say, look, morality has no place in sports and we're going to push it aside. And that's a discussion we can have another day. I think that's changing. And I think it's you're less able to do that moving forward in the world that we live in. That said, you put all your eggs in, ba in the basket for one guy. What if Deshaun Watson tears his ACL? Then you're Which done. he's done twice, by the way. Correct. Yeah, you're in right? big trouble. So, you're in big trouble then. So, so, so that I, I'm, it's always dangerous to depend on one guy. It's a team sport, right? It's a team mm. sport. Look, look, Jimmy Garoppolo has gotten to a Super Bowl. Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. Eli Manning won not one, but two Super Bowls. You don't have to be an elite all time great quarterback to win championships and put together deep postseason runs. Aaron Rodgers is considered to be one of the greatest of all time, right? That's what they keep telling me all the time. He's been to one Super Bowl, guys. One. 
Dan Marino mm-hmm. went to one Super Bowl, didn't win. So the quarterback position is extremely important. Absolutely. I, I make no bones about it. Is Deshaun Watson a far better quarterback than Jameis Winston thought about being? Absolutely. Anyone that's watched tape has watched even one game can tell you that. But getting Jameis on the team-friendly deal gives you the flexibility. And here's the great thing. Let's say it doesn't work out with Jameis. Okay. You're not hurt because of it. Your franchise is not damaged because of it. You didn't give up the farm by trading all your picks away to get Ricky Williams like Mike Ditka did. Okay. Your your franchise is not going to suffer for it. Then you can go out and get another free agent quarterback next year or draft a guy next year. So you have that flexibility to be able to do that. That's why from jump, I said it didn't make sense. Take the off the field stuff away from it all. It didn't make any sense to do that because you're you're putting all your baskets with one guy. And maybe you get a wide receiver to take a team-friendly deal because he wants to come play with Deshaun Watson. Okay, great. But no, the, the Jameis deal makes more sense. It's It's a more sound decision, and it allowed them – to build a better overall roster. It's yeah, a team yeah. sport. It always has been. It's not the NBA. It, it, it's a an NFL. I know we all give credit to the quarterbacks, and everyone thinks Tampa Bay won because of Tom Brady. No, they won because their defense played at a lights-out level and because Tom Brady and Byron Leftwich had to come to Baby Jesus meeting with the arrogant head coach and told him, hey, we got Leonard Fournette. Maybe we should run the ball after the Saints just <laughs> <Right>. humiliated us. <laughs> and they didn't lose after that, right? But that took – a guy like Tom Brady and Byron Leftwich to have a very tense meeting with their head coach. And even then, Tom Brady didn't win the Super Bowl. We give quarterbacks way too much credit. And a lot of times we give them too much blame. If Jameis can just be good, he does not need to be great. He does not need to be Drew Brees. He's not going to be Drew Brees. He's not. He's never going to be Drew Brees. There's only one Drew. But if Jameis can be good, this franchise won a playoff game with Aaron Brooks as their starting quarterback. Can they, you telling so, me you can't I, win with Jameis Winston? I think you can win a playoff game for sure. And and, and you know what? Like if my choices are, let, let's say it would have been Deshaun Watson, but you nuked the whole thing, and so you got to rebuild, and it takes some time to build a team around him. Let, let, let's just say you know they couldn't sign anyone, and they shipped all their draft picks out, so they couldn't make the, the team went backwards. And let, let, let's say they have a couple bad years because of it. I, I think the fundamental question, so for me, having bad seasons as a fan is not an enjoyable experience. I want the team to win a Super Bowl, but to me, it's not Super Bowl or bust. I don't view like if they don't, as a fan, I don't view if they don't win the Super Bowl, then the entire season is a failure. And whether they went 12 and four, sorry, 13 and four, I always forget about that 17th game, or, or four and 13. It makes no difference to me. I do, I do not subscribe to that because I, I, go, I, I root for each individual game. Mm-hmm. I watch every Sunday, and I want them to win that Sunday. That's fun to me. And so 14-3 and three versus 13-4 and four are, are widely different for me in terms of experience, even if it means the Saints don't win the Super Bowl. But So here's the catch. I think the people that argue for the Deshauns, in, in, in a big way they say, I, I don't care if – I don't care if we win one playoff game versus like, you know, going three and 14. I don't really care either way. Cause it's super bowl or nothing. That's what I want. And if you give me Deshaun and he stays with the team for 10 years, we've got a better shot at winning a super bowl eventually because he's in the building than we ever would with Jameis Winston. So I think I don't agree with it because again, I, I don't live under that prism, 
but I think there are some fans that say it's Super Bowl or bust. Therefore, give me the elite quarterback because if I've got him for 10 years, I feel like eventually we'll have a team good enough to make a run or two. Yeah, but that's being miserable. And and that's right. and, and, and that's right. that and that's and look, look, everything shifted what about in the mid nineties when Jordan took over in the NBA and everything started being judged shortly after that by how many championships you won. All the, the only thing that mattered was championships. And I go, that's that's stupid. You can have a great Hall of Fame career and never win a championship, right? And as a fan, I just like to see my team. Do I want to see my team win? Do I want my, do I want my team to win the championship every year? Of course I do. If they don't, is that going to take away from the experience of me rooting on my team? No. And this whole notion that it has to be Super Bowl or bust, no. Look, look at the Saints roster right now. Michael Thomas, if healthy, let's say Michael Thomas is only 80% of what he used to be. You still have him in his prime under contract. You now just got a new wide receiver in Chris Olave. You got some new offensive linemen. You You think they're good good enough to win a Super Bowl with Jameis? Hmm. I have to see. Can I reserve judgment until I can see the offensive line play? Well, sh- yeah, yeah, of course. But like, do you, is there a path? Could it happen? Is it even? Is it even possible? Is there enough talent on this team? We were arguing to, today. To potentially Raymond. pull that off. I, in your opinion, I think it is because the, the NFC is terrible, and that, that, the Super that, Bowl that, is one that, game. That was going to be my point. Is that you have the talent vacuum that's going to the AFC, right? So who who stands in the way? I think the Rams are not going to have as much of a Super Bowl hangover as people would like to think they're going to. I think they will have yeah, a drop off. Stanford, Stanford, and Stafford is is still going to be. You know, I mean, we talk about Jameis. Well, uh, who led the NFL in interceptions last year? It was the guy who won the Super Bowl, Matthew Stafford. By the way, uh, like to remind everyone of that. So they they're going to have some issues, but the Rams are still going to be pretty good. The the 49ers, I look at their roster and I go, huh. Eh, but then they always coach them up. They they just do. Yeah, okay? their Shanahan's a really a good mess, coach. Though. Their offensive lines are yeah, a mess. The, 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 line, the lines are a mess. And how they're handling the quarterback situation, eh, you know, I, I heard something the other day that there's talk of Baker Mayfield and Jimmy G swapping, the team swapping them, Cleveland to San Francisco, and that it would make a lot of sense for both of them to do it. I, I don't know. But, okay, Green Bay, you say because of Rodgers, but he's a year older, and where's mm-hmm. the talent on that team? Who's he going to throw the ball to? So no Devonte, yeah, no, no, no Devonte. So has any in Tampa? Eh. So I has mean, any the NFC? Yeah, no. I was gonna say, has any team in the modern era of the NFL since like in the Super Bowl era has any team won thirteen games or more four years in a row? Because that's what Green Bay would do. No, 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 no. And you expect the drop off to happen sometime, right? It, they're mm-hmm. they're going to have to have a setback season. And, and, and it feels like th- this could be this could be that season for them. But look, once you get into the playoffs, it, all games are off. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I keep going back to Eli Manning. Uh, that Giants team that upset the Patriots was not a great team, guys. They lost their regular season finale to New England. They just so happened to get hot and went on a run. Now, it doesn't happen all the time. The Steelers have done it from the wild card round. Mm-hmm. The Giants have done it. Okay. Tampa so and the did Ravens it. did it. And, so – so you can it, it can be done, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do I think Jameis gets them to a Super Bowl? No, no. I think I like them to win twelve or thirteen games, win a playoff game, maybe make it to the conference championship game. I think I think that would be wildly optimistic and a good ceiling. But once again, it would show that your franchise is headed in a right direction. And if you're not thrilled with Jameis, let's say it's more thirty-five. 
five touchdowns and 20 interceptions, right? And the decision-making is not quite there, and he still makes poor decisions throwing the ball downfield. Well, guess what? You're an organization. You move on. You find somebody else. You draft the next great quarterback or whatever it might be. You have options. I mean, I, I say this all the time. I had a caller call in and go, well, you know, we're stuck. I go, you're not stuck with Jameis. I go, it's a short-term deal. It's an incentive-laden deal for him. And I go, well, could he play if we drafted another quarterback? Uh, Green Bay's proven that you can do that. You have your star, your future Hall of Fame quarterback, and you draft his replacement. Like, it, this is the way it works now. I mean, and is, is really Jameis Winston that much – is that less than, say, like a Kirk Cousins? Would you rather have Kirk Cousins running your offense than Jameis Winston? I, I, look, yeah. As someone who grew up a Washington football slash commander slash Redskins slash hopefully they'll fire Daniel Snyder and take the team away and put him in prison, uh, fan. So it, I'm, I'm telling you, Kirk Cousins loves getting garbage time stats. I'd rather okay. Jameis than Kirk Cousins because here's the thing Kirk Cousins, he's so risk averse. I just think no matter how good you build that team around him, in the playoffs, he's so risk averse. He's not going to get you where you need to go. Jameis, he might crash you in the ditch, but he also might be Eli in the playoffs. So I would go, I would go right. Jameis somewhere. And I also think the other thing about that, Ralph, is that we have to realize what is Pete Carmichael going to do? How long? We're going to find out a lot in those first four or five games, right? Yeah. They better start uh, strong. That schedule is. sets up nice. They better start strong. The schedule sets up nice. But what is, what is the leash going to be, so to speak, on Jameis? You know, and how's the offense going to look, right? We, we, we have to stop conditioning ourselves to think it's going to look like Drew Brees throwing for 5,000 yards and Jimmy Graham catching a ton of touchdowns. That's not what this offense is going to look like. It's just not. It's not how it's built. But you're going to be able to run the football because I believe this offensive line is better at run blocking than it is pass blocking. That was the last two years of Drew's tenure as well. I, I felt that way they're going to be able to run the football and they're going to be able to, you know, move the ball down the field. I have thinking a... that it's going to be the seven and nine seasons when they did their training camp at Greenbrier and put up <laughs> 5,000 yards and then not make the playoffs. Well, I'd rather take Jameis Winston throwing for 3,500 yards and far less touchdowns and they make the playoffs than seven and nine seasons. That, that, that's just me though. Saints happy hour needs your support so we can keep giving you the Saints coverage you love. Become a patron to help us keep giving you the best daily Saints podcast on earth. Supporting Saints happy hour gives you the best Saints podcast every day without any stupid ads or promos like this one. And patrons also get access to our private Discord channel where you can talk Saints 24-7, early access to podcast episodes, our world-famous booze bundle with four amazing swag items. So do it. Go to SaintsHappyHour.com and sign up today. That's SaintsHappyHour.com. Raymond, Raymond, as a radio guy, I mean, I just, my favorite thing about callers is that you just hear some wild takes. <laughs> People just, I don't know what it is about radio, but they want to call, they want to hear their own voice, and they want to throw some things out there that just make no sense. So <laughs> I, I'm, oh, I'm, yes, I'm curious, yes, I mean, what what's the temperature? I, I don't know if you have any stories for us, but like, give us some, give us some dirt, man. Give us something funny, just Curious, just being a radio show host, 
in Lafayette. I know you've got some fans that are removed from the Saints just enough that they don't understand the product at all, and yet they want to have serious opinions. You know, we've talked about the Jameis Winston diehard fans, right? I, I, I argue. Now, look, there's a couple of vocal ones that have feuded with you, Ralph, but they yes. hell in comparison to the cult of De- uh, Taysom Hill. I, I just – and, look, I like Taysom. I do. I think he's a good football player. I think he's a hard worker. He's a talented athlete. And when you utilize him in the Joker role, the Saints offense is far better than it is when it's not. But the cat is not a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's just not. And trying to convince what I call the cult of Taysom Hill that is like talking to a wall. Well, he needs time or, you know, Sean needs to do this or there's, always these excuses made about Taysom. And I'm like, guys, can, can you just come over to the same and say, he's not a starting quarterback. He's now 30 years old. He's not going to turn into a franchise quarterback. He's just not. But arguing with them, man, well, man, you, you critical of Taysom Hill. Well, they would come after you. they come after you so hard, so hard. And then they just, you know, you, you would always have some of the old school fans too. When Michael Thomas got his contract, when he got his money, oh, man, they said that was the worst thing ever because then everything has <laughs> gone to, to to hell in a handbasket and, you know, he's a diva and you don't need that kind of thing. And I was like, he is not hurting anybody. There's no off-the-field issues. There's no domestic violence stuff. There's no DWIs. There's none of that stuff. He's just a, a wide receiver. It doesn't matter. So you get some crazy takes like that. The Taysom Hill stuff was that, you know, what I also found interesting is you get people that think of think of things and they go, you know, when, when the quarterbacks and everything like that, they're like, well, you know, um, could, you know, should Drew Brees come back out of, you know, should Drew Brees come out of retirement? I said, guys, he's, he's retired. You, you don't want him to come out of retirement. Or at the end with Drew. Look, I, I've said this before. I was in the Superdome the night they lost to uh, the Rams in the NFC Championship game. And I remember being late leaving there. And I remember looking on the field, him playing with his kids, and I said to myself, and I said to a buddy of mine, I says, man, I, I think if they would have went to the Super Bowl, Drew would have retired. 100%. 100%. I and, believe and- Drew wanted to win the Super Bowl in 2018 and retire. But because yes. it was so stolen, robbed, horrible, whatever you want to say, I believe he played – Two extra years, more than or in what uh, eighteen, uh, nineteen, and twenty. Two extra years, more than he wanted to, for us or for the team or whatever. But I a hundred percent believe you. Like seeing him that week at the Super Bowl, that man was cr- like he wanted he to was win, crushed. win and ride off in the sunset like John Elway. That's what he wanted. That's what he wanted to do, and he hung on for two more years. And of course. You know, father time and injuries got him the, the next two years. Plus, he just he had lost the zip on the ball, and he started his body started to deteriorate. We saw, look, we saw this. We saw this with Peyton Manning the last year that he was in Denver when they won the Super Bowl, and he got to ride off in the sunset, you know, as the conquering hero. But he couldn't throw a, a ten yard out, you know, out route anymore. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it it didn't happen. And I think, you know, being critical. The other thing that I've noticed with Saints fans hosting a radio show, or even before then. Like, I wrote that uh, – I was doing some radio, but I – for that NFC Championship game, I wrote a column and I wrote a game story, but I also wrote a notebook. And in the notebook, you know, I made the remarks. I said, yeah, I said, 
yeah, we can blame on the official. I wrote the column about the, the NOLA no call. And I wrote about it for the, for the newspaper I was working for at the time and, you know, made it and, you know, was straight up said that they were robbed and, and everything like that. But then I also made sure to point out, I said, if the defensive secondary didn't let Brandon Cooks treat them like a $2 hooker, they may have won the game too. Or, you know, and, there's a, th- and there's a people throw. People got so upset about that. Well, about, I'll tell you so this, Roy, I'm not going to, Vinovich stole it. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue that, but I know. Drew Brees in deep, dark places he doesn't talk about. The second down throw at the end of the game, the Rams blitzed. He saw it. He changed the play from a run to a pass. They blitz on the opposite side of Michael Thomas, and all he has to do is throw a pass probably 99 times out of 100. He hits Michael Thomas. It's a walk-in touchdown. He threw him a ground ball. He threw him. He, he threw him the ground ball. They, you know, they had problems with Cooks on defense. Some of the play calling was a little bad. Look, they got they they got robbed. Make no mm-hmm. bones about it. I, I'm never going to not say that. But the the Saints also should have won that game. I, like it was just one of those things where they made some mental miscues, and on top of it, they got robbed. And yep. it was just like that. But you know, I, I you know you couldn't. It got to a certain point where you couldn't be critical of Drew. But, but then it shifted from the fans' perspective because then, you know, there was the Yahoo Sports and then there was, you know, being fleeced for fake jewelry and, you know, all these other kind of like bad off-the-field decisions, right, where he was doing things. And, you know, and it's just like, oh, Drew. And you guys had the great, what, bracket of the bad decisions. Drew bad decision bracket, yes. Which I just loved. I thought it was just genius. And. I just, you know, it became one of those things. But what was one of the other things? You know, so, you know, Taysom's been the big thing about that. But it's always, you know, the Jameis stuff is interesting to circle back to that because I think 50% of my listeners are waiting to see, right? They're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, what's going to happen? 25% are pro Jameis. They're like, he's the guy. He's going to take mm-hmm. us back to the promised land. <laughs> And then 25% of them hate him and think that he's the worst thing and that he's going to set the like, – like he's Billy Joe, right? He's going to set the, the, the franchise back. And I just I, – I, you know, I, he's probably somewhere in the middle, you know? Yeah. And, and once again, you know, I just – it's kind of interesting. But people got crazy about the Deshaun well, Watson stuff. They I really think, did. I think the thing that I discovered in the Jameis conversation – and because we haven't had this for so long because we were blessed with Drew 15 years of Drew Brees, and it was like Drew Brees is an elite quarterback. Even at the end, the Saints offense was still top five, so you could you, 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 you didn't really argue it, right? You are like, he's the guy. What I forgot is unless you have an elite quarterback in the NFL, however you discuss your starting quarterback, teams take it as a proxy for how you think the team is going to do. Right. So like Correct. if I say she's a Ruiz, he's not that good of a guard. It's a problem. It could be a big problem. Teams don't say that, oh, you don't you think the Saints are gonna be terrible. But when you say, I don't know about this quarterback, I'm kinda waiting on him. It could go either way. Like they take that as a proxy for how you think the seven team, and ten. Yeah. They take it as you th- you think they're going seven and ten. So it's just a difficult um discussion to have. But on a positive note with the Saints the free agency, Andrew called it the long and winding road to the offseason of our dreams. The signing of Honey Badger 
and Landry in May. I was trying to think of a free agent that got Saints fans more excited than these two guys. And I can't really. I mean, Jarris Bird was exciting, kind of, because it was a, you know, they made it, they made the record signing, and we got to laugh at all the cap nerds because they had $8 of cap space. They fit them in. It ended up being a disaster. But, Raymond, I was trying to think of like a more excited moment in the offseason than signing those two guys, what, in the span of like a week? And I'm having a, I was having a hard time. Like that was just, it was just incredible how excited the, the entire fan base was from top to bottom. Well, because, because Ralph, they typically don't make splashy free agent deals. They just mm. don't go look, look, go all the way back when they constructed the Super Bowl team, right? You get key members that they get because Sean knows them from their time in Dallas, Scott Fujita and Scott Shanley that those don't move the needle, right? Mm-hmm. Even when they got Vilma, Okay, that didn't really move the needle. I mean, fans were like, okay, okay, but you know, Demario Davis, the same way, right? I mean, look at all the guys, Jeremy Shockey, people thought he was washed up by the time he got to New Orleans. So they've never done that. Even when Drew Brees got signed, even when Drew got signed, people were excited, but they weren't as excited as they were earlier this year in May. Now, part of that has to do with the fact that so many Saints fans are what? LSU fans so it's it, it's it's the dream it's the Christmas you know mm-hmm. opening up the present like me as a kid always wanting the G.I. Joe battleship carrier never getting it oh, well, the G.I. Joe battleship it. carrier was the holy grail that was the holy grail in the, in the Sears wish book so but they finally got that because not only did you get a really great free agent he also is from Louisiana and he went to LSU. He bleeds purple and gold. And now he's playing for the black and gold. Oh, and you got two of them. You got two of job one, but two. And for years, Saints fans believed that 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 you know. Um, I LSU feel like I'm reliving Saints, it all over again. It does. So beautiful. The Landry signing, especially Raymond, because Honey Badger, when they didn't draft a safety. It kind of percolated out, and even Schefter tweeted out Sunday nights like the Saints are circling back with Honey Badger, and Andrew was like, that's Honey Badger's agent telling teams, you better make a better offer than what the Saints have or I'm signing with the Saints, and he did it the next morning. But Landry, it was like, well, they, they drafted a lot. They don't need a, we don't need a wide receiver now. It's not like our, our Landry teams are dead. Like it was, it was over, and then it just, it just dropped out the sky. It's like that one extra gift under the tree that you didn't know was there, and your parents like pull it out, and it's like, here it is. It's the Red Rider BB gun. Yeah, and for the first time, because so many LSU fans feel like the Saints, Sean Payton didn't like you know LSU players, and I always argued, guys, by the time the Saints drafted, the best LSU players were gone, right? I mean, they were already taken. So it's not like Glenn Dorsey and Tyson Jackson were hanging out ready for the Saints to draft them to shore up the defensive line. So, you know, that's part of it. But, you know, look, Honey Badger is one of the most beloved LSU players of all time, of all time. And he now plays for the Saints. And the amount of and, and it's just so perfect because Tyron, what he brings to the table, the personality, you saw, you know, you're right. You saw seeing like stuff from Chauncey Gardner Johnson, right? Started kind of chirping about it and, and, and things like that. And I was like, 
the honey badger fits perfectly with that Saints defense. Mm-hmm. He fits perfect in the in the personality and everything, and the fact that he showed up for voluntary workouts when he's the thirty year old vet. It's a good it sign. speaks volumes. Yeah. I'm telling you, all these guys that showed up, Honey Badger, Jarvis Landry, all these vets that came when they didn't have to come, that speaks volumes of the respect Dennis Allen has in that locker room. I'm telling you, that's an underrated thing that people aren't talking about. Do, will it result in, win, in more wins than losses? I don't know, but I can guarantee you this. Everyone, offense, defense, and special teams, is going to hold that coach in regard, in high regard, and they respect him. I'm telling you, Raymond's that's be feeling underrated. the Saints. Ralph. He's, feeling he's feeling it. Feeling I love Saints, it. He, no, so I and he's not a Saints fan, like he said. So yeah. if, he, if he says that, it's it's definitely making me more excited. Ray, Raymond, I'm curious, what is the most annoying take you've heard? I, let's <laughs> let's say in the last year about the Saints, either from a listener or maybe someone in the media. You're just like, I hate it when people say that. Is there something that annoys you more than anything else? And why is it those who believe that Jawan Johnson, all he needs is a chance. <laughs> oh my and if God, he starts, <laughs> he's going to go to the Pro Bowl. First of all, why, why is that Johnson, the answer, Raymond? Jawan Johnson has struggle, struggles with the playbook. That's why he doesn't play. Okay. And if you can't understand the playbook and actually conduct, you know, orchestrate things during practice, you're not going to be able to make it on the field. That's just how pro football works. So let's get that out of the way. Secondly, uh, the, 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 the tried and true the last couple of years is the Saints are going to be in salary cap hill. <laughs> and national media people write these long think pieces and, oh, they can't do this. And then Mickey just makes them all look like fools. And I enjoy that. But there does no, no, seem but, to but be this, this time it's true, Raymond. This time it's really true. Yes, this time. This time. Oh, yeah, they were able to figure it out last year. But this time it's true. Always, always. Look, they, they, Mickey just figured it out. And Gail lets him, the queen, as the players like to call her, allows Mickey to kick the can down the road and let somebody else have to deal with the circumstances of that once Mickey retires and Gail sells the team or passes it down to somebody else. Okay, so who cares about that? That's It's just irrelevant. Thinking about salary cap is just irrelevant, but yet the national media folks do that. The thing that irks me about, particularly the national media and the pundits, is they don't understands it's as if they don't understand football and i and and what i mean by that is that everything's so surface and they do it just to get clicks and hot takes right so they think because drew Brees left that the saints were going to be competitive they nearly made the playoffs and they even had ian book throwing the football or attempting to throw the football and so they nearly, but then they don't take that in consideration. And then they think even after Honey Badger and Jarvis and they have this great draft, oh, well, they're still only win seven games. That's what annoys me. Not to the fact that they don't like the Saints and that they disrespect the Saints. Because once I'm in, I'm not a fan, but I do work here in the state and I cover sports in the state and I cover the Saints. It just shows a lack of laziness and unprofessionalism that you're not doing your hard homework if you have I question think... marks about Jameis Winston that's great but if you think if you're telling me with this team with all the pieces it has and it being healthy you're telling me that's going to be a seven eight win team then you don't know football I'm, I'm sorry you just I think don't. I think it's really interesting that you brought this up Raymond because there's a sense to me that and and it's pretty smart football I mean it's it's I call them the, the analytics nerds. They're pretty smart. They break down film and all the, but I really believe it's not that they don't 
know that the Saints roster is good. They don't want the Saints to succeed because Mickey Loomis, he's kind of like rock and roll. Like rock and roll is dead, right? The four-piece band and, and music is kind of dying. Mickey Loomis is kind of rock and roll in a sense of he burns draft picks. He kicks the cans down the road and all this. And they don't like the way he builds the team. Like they, if the Saints win the South, if they are the number one seed, like it proves everything they believe about the right way to build a football team, it sets it on fire. So like they're as committed to the Saints losing as we are to winning because we're me and Andrew and people that listen to the podcast are Saints fans. They're as committed to the Saints losing because they want to be able to say, say, see, I told you so. You can't do, you can't, you can't build a football team and win like that. And if the Saints do it, it like it like shatters their whole worldview. And I believe in that wholeheartedly. Like the most of the time the saying the media hates your team is a joke. I really believe there is a strong dislike of the Saints and there's a strong contingent of national media people. They don't want the Saints to, to do well this year. They really, really don't. Well, part of that also, Ralph, stems to the NFC Championship game lost to the Rams. And I notice a shift because before it was always, oh, the Superdome's great. The Saints are great. Drew Brees, Sean Payton, yeah. they have an explosive offense, so forth and so forth. And when they got robbed in the championship game, and then people, the fans, and even media here in the state of Louisiana, and the, some of the players were expressive about how poorly that game was officiated and how the NOLA no call will now live in infamy. There was a honeymoon period where it was allowed. And once that passed that mark, then the national media turned on the Saints. It, 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 it you did. started to see it happening that next season. And they had like the Buffalo Bills for Super Bowl fatigue. That was part of it because the Saints were always getting into the playoffs. They wanted somebody else. And then because people kept focusing on the NOLA no call so much, it turned national media, media folks turned on the Saints. They did. They really did. They started to do it. It was very subtle. They did it. The Super, you know when I think it happened, Raymond? I think it happened. I think it happened Super Bowl week. When, when oh, New I'll, Orleans is yeah. like, we're not watching the Super Bowl. The ratings in New Orleans were terrible. And they did the parade. And mm-hmm. that, I don't know why. The national media didn't, they had a bunch of people tweeting and writing. They didn't like that at all. That not only were New Orleans people still mad, but we were having fun with the parade and doing all our goofiness. And it, it, I think you're right. Like that really irked people, and it turned, it turned, it turned, it turned the tide them, it, against the Saints. It turned, it, it turned against it, and it just remained. I mean, you also mentioned the thing about doing things differently. And the Saints, whether it was Sean Payton, you know, eating non-sanctioned candy during the Zoom draft a couple of years ago, or how they <laughs> operate, or how they say things about Goodell, and how they deal with Goodell and deal with the front office. You know, the the Saints have a little old school Raiders in them in that regard when it okay. comes to the league and dealing with the commissioner, which is a good thing in my opinion, but well, that's, that's part of it. But I will also mention, I'll also mention this, you know, you mentioned saying that doing it the right way. You're starting to see pushback already on a team that decided to buck the trends and buck the normal. And that's the Rams because they've gone against all the conventions. They've wait, they burned all their picks. 
They go after free agents, they trade for guys, and they don't have depth on their roster. And it didn't matter because they still won a Super Bowl last year doing it their way, which was not the way that everyone said they could do it, right? Everyone said you can't win a Super Bowl that way. I'm telling you, watch out. The Rams are going to be that next team. If they're good again this year, doing it the way they've been doing it, just spending a ton of money on big-name guys and not drafting players and having a disregard for the draft, you're going to see those national pundits start turning on the Rams too. It's going to happen because hey, it's great if you do it once and you buck the system, but if you keep doing it and you keep proving that you can beat the system, well, for whatever reason, that becomes a negative. Andrew, I just thought of it. The draft, the the, the analytics nerd, their apocalypse is a Saints-Rams NFC championship game. Wherever, wherever it is. I think, I think the Rams are fine for now because they're winning. There's really nothing you can say. So I, I think what Raymond's getting at, which is 100% spot on, is the hypocrisy of you know, they, they, they are forced to buy in to the Rams' way of doing business and operating. And it's uncomfortably close to what the Saints are doing. You know, and, and so Correct. I think it, I, I think there there's a little bit of that where, you know, they turn on the Rams. The Rams would have to start losing or or at least make the playoffs, but not win a Super Bowl. Be a couple, two, three years removed from a Super Bowl to where I think you'll start to hear media chirping that the Rams way of doing business is. Oh, I can I, I, I can write the headlines for you right now, guys. There you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Sean McVay, the genius boy, <laughs> has lost his touch. It's a grown man's game. Oh, you know, they bet the farm on the now and have sacrificed the future. Now, look, we love in this country, we love to build up our sports figures into heroes, and we love to tear them down as soon as we can. And look, as soon as the Rams start losing, I'm going to tell you, I'm just telling you, that's how it's going to be. Oh, well, you know, if they would have done it the right way, if they would have built up through the draft, they would have the depth they needed to absorb this injury and to do all this. And anyone, anytime someone's tab, you know, is given the title, bestowed the title of genius, like Sean Payton was, or Mickey Loomis has been, or Sean McVay is being right now. Anytime you have an opportunity to prove that that genius is human, and is not as smart, is not the smartest guy in the room. Mm-hmm. People are going to pounce on it. And that's part of what the Saints did, too, because Sean Payton, as much as I love him, the best version of Sean Payton was petty Sean Payton, and he loved to be petty. And I hope Dennis Allen petty, continues the Sean Payton tradition of no Thursday night interviews. <laughs> that was a that was a stuff. that was a Sean Payton tradition, and I just I loved it so much. But that's bit, you know, that's part of it, too, because, you know, the, the, the head coach, you know, had a little bit of arrogance about him, which is not a bad thing for your head coach to have. And, you know, uh, he's a genius and everything like that. And then, you know, also thought it was just Saints fatigue because Drew and Sean had been together for so long and they had the one Super Bowl together and that was it. And, and people want to move on to the next thing. Right. People mm-hmm. want to move on to whatever's next there. In, in that conference, you saw it back in the day, like I mentioned, the Bills. People were ready to move on after that third Super Bowl loss. They were just like, this again? Can we move on and talk about yeah. somebody else? There's always something that's the new, brand new, shiny thing to talk about. And that's part of it, too, is that ah, we're tired of talking about the Saints. Can't they just be bad and go away? And <laughs> that's part of it. Can't they just be bad and go away? <sighs> Final question from me, Raymond. You know... My wife, as everyone knows, she is a 
a ridiculous Astros fan, and I'm I'm a diehard Astros fan too. But Saints are number one for me. Astros are number are, are number one for her. But she almost hates the New York Yankees as much as she loves the Astros. And I'll tell you this: what she did in 2019, the Astros. I don't know how they did it, but they lost four straight home games to the Nationals in the World Series. Lost the World Series. I crushed, and I'm sitting there just with my mouth open. I'm just devastated. My my, my wife looked up at me and goes, eh, Altuve hit the homer. We beat the fucking Yankees. I'm good. And she went into the bedroom and went to sleep. Is there a sports team that you hate above all others? Well, uh, well, I have I have a couple. Um, I, I mention this Cowboys, all the time. Oh, well, I mean, look, as as look, my old man, God rest his soul, was a Dallas Cowboys fan. He grew up in that era where they were America's team, and they opened up the you know the roof so God could see his team and Tom Landry and the whole nine yards. Okay, and so I rooted for the Redskins uh, just despite him as a small child. So I rooted for John Riggins and Dexter Manley and. Joe Thiesman, because that's his real name, not Thiesman, <laughs> and uh, Art Monk and the Fun Bunch and all that and stuff. The hogs. I like and it. And the Hogs. Yes. And the Hogs. And Daryl Green, the fastest man in the NFL. So I always rooted against the Cowboys. But for me, as much as I dislike Dallas, and I, I hate Dallas, and Philly, the body bag game from, from back in the day as well, for me, baseball was my first love. So my hatred for another team is more in line with baseball and being a Braves fan. So back in the day for me, like I mentioned this on the air to, you know, look, I, I'm never going to root for the Mets. I hate the Mets. I, I don't, I, I don't care for the Mets. I, I hate the Mets. I hate the Phillies, but I tell you the team that I hated a lot when I was a kid. And because the Braves were in the same division with them, because geography is hard for uh, professional sports uh, leagues, <laughs> is the Dodgers being in the same same division as the Braves. I was like, I go, I, I remember asking my grandfather, I go, Grandpa, I go, Atlanta is on the East Coast and Georgia and Los Angeles is over on the other ocean. And he was like, yes, I, I just and the Dodgers would always get it, get in our way. But I tell you, crystallizing hate there's a person that I hated more than anyone in my fandom. And that was Kent Herbeck first baseman for the Minnesota twins, because he pulled Ron Gant off right. the leg off the base in the freaking world series and uh, cost us that cost us that game. And he got away with it. And I remember being a kid and just, you know, that, that's where your fandom really takes hold. I, I, I've always believed this between the ages of like 10 to 14, when that sweet spot, you root for your team, and you're going to root for that team for the rest of your life. How did Lonnie Smith break, not know to run in, in game seven? Like, I, oh, my God. Oh, 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 yes. <laughs> and, and, and how about Jeff Reardon not throwing meat pitches to Kirby Puckett? That would have been great, too. Um, oh, so, oh, that World Series still hurts. And it's been, what, 30 years? I, I'm, I'm a grown man. I'm a grown I, man. You know, you know what that is for me. Like that, Everything that he just laid out right there, what he just described, that's me as a kid. Losing to the Atlanta Falcons in the playoffs, you know, when the Saints were trying to win their first ever playoff game, you, and you thought they were going to do it at home against Ugh. the Falcons. And Deion Sanders picks off a ball and he's high stepping in his own end zone. Oh, and he, he's got the flair, he's got the flash, you know, and, and it, it was both, I, I was in awe because he was an incredible player, but. Yeah. but 
but Deion Sanders made me hate a team and an individual player more than any <laughs> other player has since. Oh my God. They should have been up 17 to nothing. That game should have been a cakewalk. I hate Bobby Bear so much. I, bl- I blame him for three of the four moral playoff losses. It's his Ralph, fault. It's Ralph, his fault. I have to ask you, do you hate him so much that you refuse to eat at his restaurant there in uh, Metairie? Pretty much, yeah. Like, that's how much. Like, like my my thing with Bobby Bear is... Oh, you on with the cannon. You on with the cannon, Ralph. I, I, I hate... The reason I hate him so much is... I feel like he deserves at least equal blame for the playoff losses. As you know, they say Mora's Owen was was over for the playoffs. So was Bobby Abair. And like Bobby Abair, if you look at the playoff game, he got progressively worse. He started out horrible against the Vikings, and got progressively worse as they went. Like he was horrific in the Atlanta game, and he was worse against the Eagles. And, like, oh, that ain't play game. calling. That ain't Carl Smith. That ain't Jim Mora being conservative. That's Bobby Abair being horrible. Throwing it at a dude with the wrong jersey. Yes. <laughs> like, dude, if they score against Atlanta, they go up 17 to nothing, and the Dome Patrol would have ate Chris Miller alive. And that's all, like, it just, it just, it, it makes me so mad. <laughs> It still does, even 30 years later. But, 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 yeah, but 30 years later, that's what I'm saying. Like that time in your life that crystallizes your hatred for another team and it also crystallizes who you love. And like, even now, like, you know, I try to get into other sports and I've tried to do, you know, look into other things. But for me, there's only so much room in my heart. Badminton. Oh, badminton. Nice. Hey, bud. Hey, bud. I, I, I know you love tennis. I played tennis two years in high school, by the way. Um, man, I was I was a mean doubles partner. Uh, you win some but, matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, lived I lived in Illinois and I played. I look, I played all the sports. I was terrible at all of them. Junior high football at Dutchtown Middle School, uh, East Ascension uh, High School freshman baseball team. When we moved to Illinois, I played intramural basketball for two years, did tennis for two years, did golf for a year, and I was terrible at all of them. Um, but tennis, t- tennis was actually actually the one that I probably did the best at. But you you're at that certain age right and before really puberty hits where sports and your teams mean the world to you before girls have taken over and you know you know just make you go absolutely crazy those are the teams that you stick with and for you guys it was the saints and it's never stopped and me it was washington because joe gibbs and, and company but it was the braves and watching you know i loved my favorite player was dale murphy it broke my heart when they got got rid of him but then that paved the way for that great run that they had. And I still remember losing the World Series to the Twins. I remember losing to the freaking Blue Jays <laughs> and John Allerud in his dumb helmet. And, <laughs> it, you know, and then, of course, Yankees in 96 killed me because that was a dumb that, helmet that, that pretty much kicked off their dynasty that we choked away that World Series. But those are your teams. And like you get to a certain point, you don't jump on. That's why I don't understand the modern fans in these bandwagon guys that say, I root for players. What do you mean you root for players? What do you mean? I don't understand that. Well, if he, if, if he leaves this team, I'm going to root for him. I don't, what? That's a modern thing. I, I'm, I'm the old crotchety man. I say it all the time on the air. I don't get it. I root for my team. Just yeah. because my team is bad doesn't mean I'm going to stop rooting for them and loving them. I got into a relationship with them 30-some-odd years ago. I'm sticking to it. I'm in it for the long haul. I'm committed. I I'm ditched the jump. Knicks. I ditched the Knicks in 98. 
and never looked back. It was a great, may, maybe the best sports decision I ever made. So you can, that was, you, can that was, you can break. I, up I feel I, I feel like I should have done the same thing with Washington, but um, <laughs> I, I didn't. So now I'm uh, I'm in misery constantly. But I'm to the point in my my fandom with them that people go, well, how do you feel about your team? I don't care until Daniel Snyder gets removed. And then I'll start caring. When they stop pouring raw sewage on my fellow fans at games. <laughs> that's literally, literally, <laughs> literally, raw, literally, literally raw sewage that's coming not out a, of That's game. not a euphemism for something And the else. thing is, Raymond, most of the people listening to this podcast, they don't understand. Like, in the 80s, up until, what, 91, when the Washington won their last title, like, the Redskins were a gold standard team. And by my way of thinking, Joe Gibbs was the best coach of the 80s because he won three Super Bowls and he didn't have a Hall of Fame quarterback. Like the Redskins were the gold freaking standard of everything. And now... It was Redskins, Giants, 49ers in the 80s. Yeah. And now they're like a... They're like a joke, and they had, you know, they had that owner. I always, the, the old man that had the sunglasses, I always respected him because he was like, I paid hundreds of million dollars for the stadium. Of course, I name it after myself. I was like, I'm Would, you rather, would you rather have that. Carson Wentz or Jameis Winston as your quarterback? Jameis Winston. Carson. Nice. And, 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 and look, look. This is I, like I, the most pro you've ever been on the Saints, by that's the way. That's right. I feel it's, because it's disconcerting. It's because Sean Payton's gone. Is it you secretly hate Sean Payton? No, I don't see it. No, I just, what have you seen from Carson Wentz before ever since he had the, the, the bad injury where he was the MVP front runner? Nothing. What have you seen from him? And no. he had his biggest supporter, his biggest cheerleader in Frank Reich, and it didn't work. And he was like, we got to get you up out of here. Like right now, right now, <laughs> right, right. Like after the Jacksonville game, he's like, we got to get you up out of here right now today. It was, it was, you know, and look, riverboat Ron, he does a lot of good things. Right. But that's not the guy. Like he just wants someone to come in and, and be able to, 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 to lead the offense. And, and, and I don't know if Carson Wentz commands a locker room. I don't know if, he can get guys to get fired up and play for him. And can he stay healthy? And look, he's going to Washington. So the likelihood of him shredding his ACL and MCL on the terrible grounds of FedEx field, the dump of all dumps, or getting too excited and banging his head against the wall in the stadium <laughs> and causing to give himself a concussion quarterbacks, bad things happen to quarterbacks in, in Washington. I don't, I don't understand why you're so hard on that field. It worked out fine for RG three. Oh, oh, RG three, RG three, so much. It has so it's just over and over again, just over and over again. So no, I mean right now, uh, look, I, I take I take Jameis because I, I, I it circles back to what we said before. You, I think you can absorb like Ralph said. He's going to ditch the car, but he's still going to get you to the party, right? Yeah. And it may not be pretty. It you know it may not be. The, the you know it may not look the best it may not look the sexiest but it's gonna get the job done and that's how I feel about it I really do now I could be wrong and he could be off I, I you know you never do know how these things work but I, I think I think the Saints are gonna win a lot of games with them and uh, 
But no, I, would I take Jameis? Uh, yeah, I'd take Jameis over Carson Wentz. Do I think Jameis could succeed in Washington? No, because it's a black hole of misery and despair <laughs> and sewage. Why would you do I like Jameis. Why would I do that? To literally him? sewage. So, Raymond, before we get out of here, remind people how they find you on Twitter, how they, fi- they listen to your show, if podcast, all of it. You can follow me on Twitter at RP underscore sports. And you can listen to RP3 and Company, six to nine weekday mornings. You can do so on the free mobile app for 1037 The Game or 1041. It's simply Game Louisiana. And you can also check us out on our website, 1037thegame.com. And we have all our stories on there and our archive shows, including appearances, regular appearances by you, Ralph, and you, Andrew, That's that right. comes on our station. That's right. So. Raymond, thanks for joining us. As always, we took, we told them we'd get, we was going to be 40 minutes. We went 90. So we apologize for that, but it was so much fun. So, guys, thanks for joining us, and we will see you again tomorrow. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge, or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.